Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good morning, good evening, and happy Hanukkah. 
to all the brothers and sisters all across the world. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hey, calm down a little bit. No, don't have to calm down. Don't have to calm down at all. Praise the Lord. Praise God. I'm trying to find a song on here. Where is it? Oh, 
Thanking us all Praise the Lord I saw the light Praise the Lord I saw the light That's the shofar blowing for the first day of the fiesta. Amen. Praise God. Now, where did I put my red soda? It's right up on top of that. Okay. Praise the Lord. What am I going to do in the wilderness with no red soda? What will I do? Lord, have mercy on me. Well, I plan on buying a ton of coffee. Amen. I plan on buying ever coffee can in the store. Come back for more of my restock. And then the next time, and then the next time, and then the next time. And we do the same thing with the honey and vodka. And, uh, and lemon juice and baking soda. Because those are your necessities, your basics. And, uh, that is good. So good to see the main core of our congregation all gathered together here today on this special holy day. Amen. Praise Jesus. Let's go in prayer. Lord Heavenly Father, happy fiesta of dedication. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this special time it is not only a special time just for us but for you and your kingdom even the angels are rejoicing on your holy days and we rejoice with you and with your angels praise your holy name thank you lord for showing us about your holy days what they mean and the importance of them. Thank you for calling us for such a special time when the holy days are being fulfilled even more than ever before. We ask you, Lord Heavenly Father, to help us in this service today. Please help us to grow in the truth. Please help us to grow in understanding. Please help us to grow in your spirit and in your will. We ask, Lord, for your special protection over our brothers and sisters in Algeria in the midst of an Islamic nation where we can't even ship Bibles over there because the police, the authority, the government would seize them and possibly arrest the congregation. We ask, Lord, for how we're going to get these Bibles. 
because even the printers, they won't, they're demanding a ton of cash up front, not, not allowing credit card. So Lord, we ask for a way and a means provide the Alpha and Omega Bible to our brothers and sisters in Algeria. We ask, Lord, for your protection and help over Brother Meekness, his wife Amanda, and their son in Zimbabwe as well, in the midst of a wicked nation and a dictatorship there. And as they are moving into a new apartment this week, that you would help them with that. Help them, Lord, all of our brothers and sisters around the world. Protection from the viruses and from bacteria and from wicked people. We ask, Lord, for your special help and protection over us. We ask you, Lord, to help us to hear your word now in this sermon. And to receive it with gladness, with joy, and with our eyes and hearts open to what you would have us to receive today on this special holy day of Hanukkah. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's go to the book of Psalms. Psalm 30. And I know without any doubt God wants me to read Psalm 30 to you because as I was praying and thinking about what God wanted me to give you today, it came in my mind, weeping may endure for night, but joy cometh in the morning. That came into my mind. But I didn't know where it was in the Bible. I did not know where that verse was in the Bible, not even what book of the Bible that was found in. But that verse just came to my mind, to my heart. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. That, among other things, to share with you today. And then... At a different point of time, it also came into my thinking and into my mind to also look up what chapters of the Bible would the Jews normally read on Hanukkah. Because the Jews and also the Catholics, they have certain chapters of the Bible that they read every year on the same days of each year for each and every holiday there are specific books and chapters and verses of the Bible that are designated to be read. So what is read on Hanukkah, I thought? And I found out it was Psalm chapter 30 that they read and other chapters and books as well, but that's the first one that I saw and came to and checked out, really the only one I checked out. 
And then I notice in verse 5 here in the Alpha Omega Bible, Psalm 30, verse 5, it says, For anger is in his wrath, but life in his favor. Crying, so tarry or endure for the evening, but joy to come in the morning. Praise the Lord! Amen! I didn't know where that was in the Bible, but. That is what he gave me. And I didn't even know that that is the chapter read on Hanukkah. Not only did I not know where it was in the Bible, but I did not know also that this was what they read on Hanukkah. And how appropriate. Amen? How appropriate. Because for two things, one thing is that if you think what Hanukkah is about, the main theme of what we are traditionally taught that Hanukkah is about is that the king of Syria, Antiochus, the Pretetes, back in the BC years, he defiled God's temple. And messed it, up, messed it up really bad, put a pig in there, which was unclean in the Old Testament covenant, forbidden, maybe a statue and a pig both, defiled it, did abomination, did abominations within God's temple. And then, later on, after the, the family called the Maccabees, that was their last name, the Maccabee, Maccabees, they, Judas Maccabees and other and his brothers, they fought against Antiochus and eventually was able to seize the temple back into the hands of the Jews and restore the temple and clean it up and purify it and restore it. So it's the theme of weeping may endure for a night or for a season or for three and a half years or one year or whatever time period for each generation. But joy will come again. It will come. Deliverance will come. Amen. God has anger, but he doesn't stay angry forever. Amen. Notice how that verse starts out with saying that for anger is in his wrath or in his wrathfulness. He is a jealous God. He gets angry and he, God, did. Sin and Ocacus, the punisher, the rod of his inundation, the rod of his wrath, that rod of his anger the paddle of his anger. God will send the Chinese and the Russians. And God will send Assad. And God will send the Iranians. you got to remember and understand that regardless of the wickedness of the popes, and Assad, and regardless of the wickedness of George Soros and Joseph Biden, 
Hillary Clinton and all those other wicked people. Regardless of all that, God is in control, and it is God himself that, as Ezekiel 38 says, will put hooks in their jaw and will bring them into Israel, including America and Australia, because we are Israel. God is in control, and God is the punisher. God will spank his own people. Of course he will spank his own people. Amen. But his anger will not last forever. Now, the Babylonian church wants you to believe that God's anger will last forever and will make people burn in hell forever and ever and ever. That's what the Babylonian false church wants you to believe. But that's not God's nature, is it? God's nature is love. And yes, he gets angry, but it will not last forever. Amen. And the weeping may endure or last or remain for a night, for a time or a season, but not forever. Joy shall come in the morning. Joy shall come someday. It shall come. Amen. We need punishment so that we can and will repent. And once we repent, joy cometh. Amen. Once we repent, once we surrender to God and say, God, I'm sick and tired of doing it my own way. I'm sick and tired of focusing on me. I'm sick and tired of of myself being in control of myself. I need a master. I need a Lord. I do want to be a slave to you, Father. I do want to be your servant. I do want you to tell me what to do, and I will say how I hunt. Because you're the Lord, you're the master, you're God Almighty. And I am nothing but a speck of dust and energy and light, a speck within this huge, giant universe. Amen. And God, his awesomeness, fills the entire universe. And yet we are only a small little flicker, small little light. Amen. Within this giant, vast universe. Amen. Once we surrender to his awesomeness, then we can start growing and maturing and, and find love and joy and peace and contentment. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's read the rest of this, starting in verse 1, Psalm 30, verse 1. Oh, and also the second reason why this is uh, very relevant to Hanukkah is even before verse 1, there's a heading. Right next to where it says Psalm 30, there's a heading. And it says, For the end, a song of a poem at the dedication of the house of David, which is really temple of God. Now, that word for the end is really for the end of a fiesta, the last day of Hanukkah. And it can also be for the last day of the week, the seventh day. And the end of anything, the, the end of a week, the end of a, a, of a, a fiesta, 
But I believe also that if it's the end of anything, I believe it can apply also for the end of a generation or the end of a time era as well. And even though it was primarily meant for the fiesta and the seventh day and stuff like that, all those things are foreshadowings of future events. And I believe that we can use all these different songs. This is not the only one. There's a lot of these, a lot of songs that says it's for the end. And I think if we was to compile all those together and read those like it like if it was his own book of the Bible, read all of the songs it has that says for the end, I believe we would get some kind of edification from that. So it's interesting that it says it's for the dedication. And this is called the dedication. The fiesta of dedication is what the book of John actually calls it. It doesn't say Hanukkah in the Bible, uh, unless it might in Maccabees. I don't know. But I think it says dedication there, too. Uh, Hanukkah is actually a Syrian word, not Hebrew. But again, it's not a sin to say Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. It's not a sin to say June and July and August. It's not a sin to say a Syrian word. Jesus occasionally would say a Syrian word. Not a sin to say a Syrian word. But we do get edification by understanding what term, what words that the Bible actually calls it, and the Bible actually calls it the fiesta of dedication. It was the dedication of the temple. It's like a grand opening of the temple, the dedicating the temple at a grand opening. That's what is the origin of, or the actual name of the fiesta. But I say Hanukkah all the time, and that's okay. If you say fiesta of dedication to somebody that has never heard this, they're not going to know what in the world you're talking about. But if you say Hanukkah, then they understand a little bit about what you're talking about. Now, verse 1 says, as it seems, is a song to Jesus, and it says, I will exalt you, Jesus, for you have lifted me up and not caused my enemies to rejoice over me. In other words, you have not allowed my enemies to defeat me and, and not rejoice over defeating me. You have given me the victory. Amen. Verse 2, Jesus, my Theos, I cried to you, and you did heal me. Jesus, you have brought up my soul from the grave. You have delivered me from among them that go down to the pit. Now, what that means is you have brought up my soul from the grave means that he, that God helped David 
cannot die. It doesn't mean that David actually died and got resurrected. That's not what that means. It is symbolic language, symbolism of that God prevented his death from Saul and from other people. And verse 4, sing to Jesus, you his saints, and give thanks for the remembrance of his holiness. For anger is in his wrath, but life is in his favor. Crying shall tarry for the night. That word tarry means to wait or time continue. And it would be appropriate, would be appropriate to keep it as tarry or endure or remain. It just depends on how you want to translate it. All of it would be correct. King James says endure. And I think my favorite word here would be that it would last for the evening or remain for the evening. But joy shall be or come in the morning. Verse 6. I said in my prosperity that I shall never be moved. Jesus, in your good pleasure, you did add strength to my beauty, but you did turn away your face, and I was troubled. Meaning there was a time when David felt weaker than normal. And there are many times that we go a certain period of time and we feel like we're not hearing from God. That happens to every one of us. Times that you'll pray, you'll pray, you'll pray, you'll seek, you'll ask for confirmation, you'll ask for healing, you'll ask for something, but it just feels like you're not hearing from God. And that happens to me. That happens to everyone. We all face the same problems. We're all humans. And the same demons and the same problems and the same sins are common to all mankind. And David and even Jeremiah and many other men of God had those times when they felt like, where is God? You did turn away your face and I was troubled. Verse 8, to you the Lord will I cry and to my fields will I make supplication. Supplication means that I will ask you for what I need. What profit is there in my blood when I go down to destruction? Shall the dust give praise to you? Or shall it declare your truth? He's saying, once I'm dead, I can't praise you. But please, keep me alive. Verse 10, Jesus heard and had compassion upon me. Jesus has become my helper. You have turned my, my mourning into joy for me. You have torn off my sackcloth and girded me or clothed me with gladness that my glory may seem praise to you and I may not be pierced with sorrow. Jesus, my Theos, I will give thanks to you forever. Amen. So even in verse 7 and after that, you've got a theme of temporary destitute, temporary 
grieving, sorrow, tough times. But in the end, David receives strength again, deliverance, healing, salvation, protection from all of his enemies, from all of his trials. In the end, David was victorious. And he was always giving praise to God in song and in dance. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yep, David, he did dance like a fool. Uh-huh. He did. And that's what a lot of people like about David. And I like that a lot about David as well. Once we get into the kingdom, maybe he'll give us some dance lessons. Praise the Lord. Hey, let's turn over to Maccabees. Hey, you can't have Hanukkah without without reading Maccabees. You know that, right? So what book of the Bible is that in? Anybody know? That is in the history book, ain't it? Maccabees. 1 Maccabees chapter 4. One Maccabees starts in 272. One Maccabees chapter 4, verse 52. And that's what page number? 277. Page 277. Or page 279. 279. 1 Maccabees 4, verse 52, page 279. Verse 52. Now, on the 25th day of the ninth month, that's today in God's calendar, and that is why Christmas is the 25th day of December. But it's going to fall on a different day of December or even November some year, since the Roman calendar does not perfectly align with God's calendar. But that's how they got the 25th. It is a counterfeit. Christmas is a counterfeit of Hanukkah. So on the 25th day of the ninth month, which usually falls in December, sometimes November, which is called, in the Assyrian calendar, it's called the month Kaslu. In the 148th year, they rose up early in the morning, like we did here in Tennessee today, and offered sacrifice according to the law upon a new altar of burnt offerings which they had made after they had dedicated the temple and they had made a new altar after purifying the temple. Verse 54, look at what time and what day the heathen had profaned it. Even in that, it was dedicated with songs, with centrings, which is a musical instrument, and harps and cymbals. Then all the people fell upon their faces, worshiping and praising the fields of heaven who had given them good success. The success is talking about there is not finances, but rather military victory. Amen. 
Now notice how all the people fell on their faces, worshiping and praising. That sounds like to me a Pentecostal church. And as I wrote recently on the MeWe social media group, if, if, if I was going to go to a Babylonian church, it would be a Pentecostal or an Asapotic church. Because at least the Pentecostals know that we need to praise God. And they, they're willing to humble themselves and get down in the floor to do it. Now, you won't see that at the Catholic, the Lutheran, Presbyterian, the Jehovah Witnesses, the Seventh-day Adventists. You won't see anybody getting down on the ground to pray or to worship. Even a lot of Baptists, you won't even see that either. But the Pentecostals, you would definitely, definitely see people putting their face to the ground in worship. And that is the way it's supposed to be. All throughout the Bible, they did that. And that's the way we should do as well. And it's okay to do that during a sermon, as well as during the music part, as well, at any time, at any time, during a worship service from beginning to end, and before and after, and at any time and all times, it's completely acceptable to worship God if you face to the ground. And I know that a lot of people that have never experienced that form of worship and speaking in tongues and shouting and dancing for God at church, if you've never experienced that kind of worship, it, it is, for some reason, scary or frightening to a lot of people. I don't understand why that would be frightening to just see people rejoicing. But nevertheless, it is frightening for a lot of people just because they've never seen it before. Things that people don't understand fear them. But there's nothing wrong with getting happy. There's nothing wrong with getting excited for God. God should excite us. Amen. It's okay to shout and sing and dance. For the Lord. Amen. And it says here in verse 56, And so they kept the, the dedication of the altar eight days and offered burnt offerings with gladness and sacrificed the sacrifice of deliverance and praise. And that's what we do. That is our sacrifices today. It's a sacrifice of praise. Amen. And they decked or decorated also the forefront of the temple with crowns of gold. And Robert, I want you to make a note. I did want to change decked to decorate it so that some people would understand that better. Be a better translation for some people. Amen. 
and also the forefront of the temple with crowns of gold decorated and with the, and with shields and the gates and the chambers they renewed and hanged doors upon them and thus was a very great gladness among the people for that the reproach or the shame of the heathen was put away moreover judas that is judas maccabees and his brother and his brothers and his family with the whole congregation of jezreel declared that the days of the dedication of the altar shall be kept in their season from year to year by the space of eight days from the 25th day of the month Tashlu, with mirth and gladness amen whoa praise the lord so this ain't bad days of sadness is it these are not days of sadness but days of rejoicing amen days of rejoicing you can find some truth in every church even the most demonic i know that makes some of you a little scared to hear that but there is some truth in every church even the most demonic because the devil always mixes a little bit of truth at least as a carrot stick as bait the devil always mixes a little bit of truth in every religion even in buddhism judaism islam the catholic church the jehovah witnesses the seven day Adventists. any group you look at any group is going to have at least something right and there's nothing wrong with saying that and acknowledging that so the pentecostals are right to rejoice now they go overboard sometimes but at least they know that it's important to celebrate and rejoice in that in verse 60 at that time they also built up the mount zion with high walls and strong tires round about lest the gentiles to come and tread it down as they had before and they set there a garrison a, a guard to keep it and fortified uh that to preserve it that the people might have a defense for judea amen so they didn't take it for granted that the city and the temple had been restored and just that way it'll never happen again we don't have to worry but rather they took immediate precautions of making the city and the walls strong and tall and cutting guards in case war was to happen again amen so people need to take a lesson from that and don't think it can't happen again because history always repeats itself amen they understood that they had more wisdom than most people do today amen go over to 2 maccabees chapter 10. 2 Maccabees 10, verse 1, page 311. 2 Maccabees 10. Verse 1, 2 Maccabees 10, verse 1. Now, Maccabees and his company, his army, his people the lord guiding them recovered the temple 
and the sea. But the altars which the heathen had built in the Roman street and also the chapels, they pulled, had pulled down. And having cleansed the temple, they made another altar and striking stones, they took fire out of them and offered a sacrifice after two years and set forth incense and menorah and bread of visible purpose. When they had done, they fell flat down and besought the Lord that they might come no more into such troubles, that if they sinned any more against him, that he himself would chastise them with mercy, and that they might not be delivered into the blasphemous and barbarous nations. Now, upon the same day that the strangers had profaned the temple, on the same day it was cleansed, just a different year, that 25th day of the same month, Kashlu. And they kept eight days with gladness, as in, just like in the Fiesta of Tabernacles, remembering that not long before, they had held or kept the Fiesta of Tabernacles as when as they wandered in the mountains and caves like animals or like beasts. Amen. Therefore, they, they took up or they bore branches and fair broths and palms also, and they sung songs unto him that had given them good success and cleanse in his place. And they ordained also by a common statute and decree that every year those days should be kept of the whole nation of the Jews. And this was the end and Anarchies called Acritians. Now, even though it says to be kept the whole nation of the Jews, the book of Romans says that a true Jew is one who has his heart circumcised. Amen. His heart circumcised. So that's the removal of pride and sin, the willingness to surrender to God, truly being saved, then you are a true Jew, according to the Bible. And there's another verse in the Bible that says that uh, not everyone of Israel is of Israel or something like that. So you can be drafted into Israel, into that tree of life in the book of Romans also teaches that. So you don't have to be born a Jew to be a Jew. If you have Jewish blood, as a sacrifice for your sins, and it is Jewish blood that you are born again through his crucifixion and resurrection, then you are a Jew, regardless of any nation, any language, any color, you become a Jew in Christ Jesus, and you are part of his nation, his kingdom. Amen. Now, even though it says this was the end of Antiochus, the Christians, that was the end as far as what they knew, as far as what they understood. That was an honest statement to the best of their knowledge. And even though the book of Maccabees describes him uh, dying, 
you got to understand that if they can live decades, a fallen angel, a demon, living decades on this earth as a human king, which has happened multiple times according to the Bible, and they have wives, children, family, even as Assad does, don't you think that they're going to play it out all the way to the death? They're going to play it out all the way so that humans do not suspect that they are demons. The tricks of the devil are mind-blowing. The tricks of the devil can even raise the dead. The tricks of the devil can even heal the blind. Do not underestimate the tricks of the devil. I believe that fallen angels can definitely fake their death or even shift because they're spirits and they can do all kinds of amazing things. So they can definitely make their bodies look like they're decaying and all of that. The supernatural is supernatural, not just barely natural. Now let's go to chapter 2, 2 Maccabees chapter 2. Starting in verse 1, 2 Maccabees, chapter 2, verse 1. It is also found in the records that Jeremiah the prophet commanded them that were carried away to take, to take of the fire that had been in the temple as it had been signified, and how that the prophet, having given them the law, charged them not to forget the commandments of the Lord, and that they should not err in their minds when they see images of silver and gold with their ornaments. And with other such speeches, exhorted he them that the law should not depart from their hearts. That the word exhorted means urging them with his words. Verse 4, it was also contained in the same writing uh, in the records that the prophet Jeremiah, being warned of Theos, commanded the tabernacle and the ark to go with him as he went forth into the mountain where Moses climbed up and saw the inheritance of Theos. And when Jeremiah went there, he found a hollow cave, wherein he laid the tabernacle, the ark, and the altar of incense, and sealed the door. And some of those that followed him came to mark the way, but they could not find it, which, when Jeremiah perceived, discovered that, and understood what was going on, that they were trying to mark the way, he blamed them, saying, as for that place, it shall be unknown until the time that Theos, 
gather his people again together and receive them unto mercy. Then shall the Lord show them these things, and the glory of the Lord shall appear, and the cloud also, as it was shown unto Moses, under Moses, and as when Solomon desired that that place might be honorably sanctified. So let's make this very clear. At no time will they ever, ever, ever find the Ark of the Covenant until after Jesus comes and reveals its location or takes it out of that location. Okay? That's what the Bible says. That is as clear as day. So it don't matter how much evidence. It don't matter if you actually see it on TV or actually see it on a website. It doesn't matter whether you see it in a video or a picture. Don't believe it. The Bible says right here that the Ark of the Covenant covenant will be hidden until the day that Jesus reveals it, meaning after he comes back. So don't be foolish to think that it has been found or will be found until then. Verse 9. It was also declared that he being wise offered the sacrifice of dedication talking about Solomon or Moses one and of the finishing of the temple so that would be Solomon and as also when when Moses had prayed unto the Lord the fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifices even so prayed Solomon also and the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and Moses said because the sin offering was not to be eaten it was consumed. And so Solomon kept those eight days. Now notice how it doesn't say kept just eight days or a eight days or some eight days, but rather those eight days. Solomon did. And there's reference to Moses here as well in verse 13 the same things were also reported in the writings and commentaries of Nehemiah Nehemiah's and how he founding a library gathered together the acts of the kings and the prophets and of David the writings of all these and the epistles of the kings concerning the holy gifts and in like manner also Judas Maccabees gathered together all those things that were lost by reason of the war that we had, and they remain with us. Wherefore, if you have need thereof, send someone to fetch them unto you. Whereas we then are about to celebrate the purification we have written to you, and you shall do well if you keep the same days. The same days. When you sum it all up throughout the generations, it may have been at different times of year sometimes, different months, different weeks, different days, at different generations. But nevertheless, 
each generation of Moses and Solomon and the Maccabees and the Nehemiah, they all had an eight-day dedication of building and restoring temples and places of worship. So don't believe the traditional lie that Hanukkah started with the Maccabees. It did not. Eight days of dedication, which is what it's called dedication, had been kept by Moses, by Solomon, by Nehemiah, and by the Maccabees, four different generations. Don't get stuck on, it's got to be the 25th of the ninth month. It's got to be 25th of the ninth month. Don't get stuck into that trap. Sometimes time gets lost to people. They don't understand when a new moon starts, when a year starts, or they just can't do it because of war, because of invasion, because of captivity. So for whatever reason, things might get off track, but they're still keeping those eight days of dedication. Dedication, dedication, eight days, eight days. Now, if they did it throughout all those generations, then we should too. Amen. And we would do well if we keep those same days. Amen. To the best of our knowledge, to the best of our reckoning of when to keep them. Amen. And that phrase, that we would do well if we do the same thing, reminds me so much of what Jesus said in the book of John about the foot washing, that you would do well if you do these things. <laughs> so the evidence is overwhelming. Now, these are days that you would do well to keep them. It don't matter who you are. It would be good for you to keep them. Amen. Now look here at verse 17. We hope also that the Theos that delivered all his people and gave them all a heritage and the kingdom and the priesthood and the sanctuary, as he promised in the law, will shortly have mercy upon us and gather us together out of every land under heaven into the holy place. Woo! Lord have mercy. For he hath delivered us out of great tribulation or troubles and has purified the place. That word great troubles can be translated as great tribulations as well. There's another way of translating that. In fact, let's just go ahead and translate it that, Robert, to make it more obvious, easier for people to see the connection. I can see it perfectly fine, but some people need an extra straw or extra spoon, so we'll give them an extra spoon, because you can translate it as tribulation no problem at all. It's very accurate to say it. 
great tribulation. And notice how it says he's going to gather them from out of every land under heaven into the holy place. How much more clear can you get? Let's talk about the resurrection, the first resurrection, when he is going to gather the saints. It don't matter what land, what color, what language. He's going to gather us together for the marriage supper in the temple, around the altar. Amen. Praise God. And notice how that in connection with Hanukkah. Now, we're not going to be caught up at the time of Hanukkah because we're going to be caught up at the Day of Atonement. Amen. But nevertheless, there's a connection with Hanukkah because of a cleansing of the temple, an abomination of the temple, the abomination of the desolation. So, Anaokites Assad will sit in the temple of God, showing, displaying himself as he was God. That is the abomination of desolation. So the temple in heaven will be defiled. And then that will have to be cleansed somehow, some way. God will take care of it. And then we'll be caught up three and a half years later. Actually, 1,300, well, let's say three and a half years and plus, I'm not going to get down to the specifics, but basically three and a half years later than that. That is good. So, to sum all that up, the fiesta of dedication known as Hanukkah to us promises that even though we may endure great tribulation, which the Bible also calls Jacob's trouble, and we are Jacob, America is, and the British Isles, we are Jacob, Israel. So it is time for Israel's trouble. There's going to be a time for all nations, a great trouble for all nations, for the whole world. You see, Africa, they're accustomed to suffering. Americans are not very accustomed to suffering. So it's a, a worse time for Jacob. But joy comes in the morning. Joy cometh at the end of the season, the end of the tribulation, and Jesus has gathered us together. So that should be important to anyone, not just the Jews, amen, not just Israel, not just Jacob, but for all people that love the Lord, we should be keeping all of these same days, amen. And we know that John chapter 10, we can go there real fast, John chapter 10. That Jesus went to the temple on Hanukkah, John 10, verse 22.
page 114. John 10, verse 22. At that time, the fiesta of dedication took place at Jerusalem. You go down to verse 23. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. Now, it, it words it very casually, but nevertheless, he was there at Hanukkah, at the, at the fiesta of dedication. Amen. And a lot of people say, well, that doesn't prove anything. He was there a lot of times. And yes, he was there a lot of times. But nevertheless, he was there that day. He was there that day. And we know that he was a Jew and that he kept all of the law, all of the law. And he would have been there for the, for the annual celebration of the cleansing of his own temple. Who doesn't go to their own grand opening? Huh? Who doesn't go to their own grand opening? Amen. Of course he was there because it was Hanukkah, not just because he was there often, but because it was that day. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. Praise God. Let's go to the book of Exodus. Exodus 15. Exodus 15, verse 26. And this is not related to Hanukkah, but I felt like that this I needed to share with you. I believe that this is from the Lord for sharing this with you. That this would be something good to read or, re or memorize and quote to yourself, say to yourself on a regular basis. Every time you go out somewhere and you're wearing your gloves and you're wearing your mask, which I hope everybody is doing, both gloves and mask. Anytime that you're touching public doors, public toilets, places like that, bus, taxi cab, places like that, where you're touching surfaces that other people are touching all the time, please wear gloves or at least use a paper towel, piece of toilet paper, something as a barrier between a something between your skin and that surface where everybody is touching. And wear a mask, even if it's just a tore-up T-shirt or something, over your nose and mouth. And it doesn't have to be fancy. Just a plain, ripped T-shirt over your face as a mask 
is better than nothing. Better than nothing. And so it says in verse 26 that God said, And if you will indeed hear the voice of Jesus your Theos and do things pleasing unto him and will hearken, meaning listen and obey, to his commands and keep all of his regulations, laws, no disease which I have brought upon the Egyptians will I bring upon you. None of them. I will not bring them upon you. Even though I brought them upon the Egyptians, even though I brought them upon the Babylonians, even though I brought them upon the people living in New York, even though I brought them upon your next door neighbor, even though I brought them upon people you know, your family, your friends, your people down the street, and millions and billions of people around the world, I will not put them upon you. Now that doesn't mean that you need to just walk out in front of a car thinking that God will protect you because if you're going to be a fool, God will let you be a fool. Don't start thinking that you're Superman and you can't die. You're still human. And you'll pay your own consequences for your own foolishness. You still need to wear a mask. You still need to wear gloves or use paper towels or something. Do not be touching stuff with your bare hands in the public. But, nevertheless, that's just being wise and careful which is wise, to be careful. But you don't have to live in fear. And a lot of people, a lot of Christians, and other people think that you're fearful just because you're being careful. And there's a difference. But it can turn to being overly fearful if you allow it to run away with you like that, if you allow your emotions and fear to take over you and just be absolutely paranoid, of course, that would be wrong. And therefore, this Bible verse is a good thing to use to prevent that from happening, to prevent your emotions and your fears from getting carried away, to give you confidence and boldness in God's protection, as long as you're doing your part and not being foolish, that God himself will also do his part. Amen. In fact, is this not conditional? It is conditional, and it? it? says, if you will keep his laws. So it's conditional. Amen. And I believe that wisdom is one of his laws as well. Amen. Amen. We are required to grow in knowledge, in understanding, and in wisdom. Amen. You don't need a Bible verse that must say A, B, C, black and white. You must grow in wisdom. It's common sense. God wants us to grow in wisdom. But there are many verses, many Bible verses, that talks about us needing to grow in wisdom. And the Bible says that wisdom is better than gold. 
Amen. And that we should seek it out. Amen. Well, we've got eight days to rejoice, and this will be the last holiday before term. We've got the rest of December. Today is uh, December the 10th. So if we go to December, if we go to next month on the 10th, January 10th will be one month from today. February 10th will be two months. March the 10th will be three months. And February the 10th will be four months. And in April, around the 28th or so, is Passover. So four months and two weeks, something like that, until the invasion, unless we have another year. But I think we all agree that it looks like, it seems like, that this term, which is only three months away, is going to be uh, the fulfillment that we've been waiting for. That's what it seems like. That's what it looks like. I'm not saying, thus saith the Lord, but if I'm saying this is what I believe, because all of the things you're seeing, I'm seeing. Everything I'm seeing, you're seeing. We're all seeing it together. We're all seeing the same thing. Amen? And what we're seeing is mind-boggling amazing, powerful things. I don't see how it can go another year, but it could, but I doubt it. Amen. So let's celebrate these eight days and remember that even though we've got a lot of trouble and tribulation coming, don't let that wear you down with fear and worry because that time of great tribulation won't last forever. He's going to deliver us, and we're going to come out the other end better than we ever been, in much better shape, with much more joy than we ever had in our lives. It's worth it to go through it. And we need it. This nation needs it. America needs civil war. America needs Martial law, as I've been calling for for years, not. this nation needs invasion. Your nation needs to be invaded. Your nation needs to be invaded because your nation and my nation and all the nations of this world under man's government is wicked. Every nation on earth, every nation, even Israel, we have all gone astray. And all the nations deserve punishment, discipline, chastisement, correction, and invasion. It will help the people so much, so much. It will really, really help the people. I know there's a lot of death and trouble and crying and weeping may endure for the whole season of three and a half years, but joy will come as a promise. It's a promise. It's going to happen. Joy will come. And you have to keep your mind on the finish line. Don't put your mind and your eyes on the mud, on, on all the filth, on all the trouble, on all the distress, on the death and despair. 
but rather put your mind on the finish line. Amen. When a person is running a race, and the race is very long and very hard, and their knees and their body and their muscles start aching, but they got to win the Olympics and they got to win that race. They don't put their mind on the muscles that are aching and their sore feet and so forth. What they do is they put their mind on how much they want to win. Amen. They put their mind on the finish line and, and on what they got to do to get there. Amen. Instead of putting their mind on the problem, they put their mind on the solution, what they need to do to achieve the goal. Even as a man that is boxing or wrestling, which I love to watch boxing and UFC, I love that stuff, and like a lot of men do, because men are made to fight is our instinct. We're warriors. We're supposed to be in the military. We're supposed to defend our nation and our family. It's part of our instinct as a man. And I believe it would do good for any man and every man to watch more fights because it will bring out that primitive instinct out of you. We need to get rid of this sissy, sissy, college, college, suit and tie, blue collar mentality and put on the clothing of masculinity, the robe of masculinity of, well, get rid of the white collar on that and, and put on the blue collar of manufacturing, making things, changing the oil, changing the tire and getting down in the dirt and in the farm and with the horses and the animals and the wilderness and defense and masculine things. Men have really, in these last hundred and so years, been transformed into an entirely different creature than what they were meant to be. They're not men no more. But the great tribulation will bring the masculinity out of you. And that the great tribulation will be a great time of deliverance for men and women to bring both the men and the women the natural instinct out of you about your gender role, what you need to do, what God really made you to be. We need it so very bad. Amen. So as bad as it's going to be, there's a lot of pluses, a lot of positives. God knows what he's doing. Amen. It's going to be boot camp for us, which we need. Amen. Times are going to get rough. We can't give up. You have to keep your mind and your eyes on the finish line and on the prize. And like Paul said, that he don't want to be a man that just box in the air, but he wants to win, to actually win. And you have to put your mind on the solution. How do you win? Set some goals. What you're going to do today, what you're going to do tomorrow. Amen. You're going to read 
a certain book of the Bible, you're going to read so many chapters, you're going to read so many verses, you're going to study a certain topic, you're going to sing, you're going to worship, you're going to put your face down to the ground and worship, you're going to lift your hands up and worship, you're going to sing, you're going to dance, whatever you're going to do, make a plan and do it and grow in worship, grow in joy, comfort, contentment, amen. Grow in measure of peace, measure of the Holy Ghost, measure of wisdom, measure of understanding, measure of maturity. Men, all of you, every one of you, need to grow in masculinity. And women, grow in the gender role for women as well. And the great tribulation is going to bring that out for every one of us. Amen. Praise God. Any questions, comments, or testimonies here locally? God is so good. Amen. Well, we got so much to do. So much to do. In a short period of time, please pray for me. I know I've got to get at least one more article done relatively soon. Pray for God's help in me writing any new articles that still need to be written. Um, and for my energy level, uh, pray for one another, all of us. Amen. There's a lot to be praying for. Pray for uh, Brother BJ that got baptized just recently. Being a babe in Christ, it's important to pray for people that have been recently baptized as well as people that's not been baptized yet. But I'm waiting eagerly to hear from at least three different people. Morning baptism, I hope, I hope, and I pray. And I don't know why the delay. I never understand why people want to delay joy and salvation and deliverance. Why delay it? I don't understand at all. But I'm waiting. So is the Lord waiting on people to reach out and grab joy and peace and salvation. Amen. At least four people. Actually, at least four. And many more. Amen. I'll let y'all go, let some people get back to bed, let some people get to bed. Amen. Happy Fiesta of Dedication. Be careful with your candles, especially if you're using real candles, be careful. And not to let the fire get out of control or anything like that. Um, and if, if you only got enough candles to last only one hour per day, that's okay. Or 30 minutes per day or 10 hours per day. It doesn't matter. The Bible never says that you, that you have to have the candles lit for a certain length of time each day. It's up to you and what you're able to do to make your candles last throughout the eight days. So if you only got enough candle wax, because those candles burn fast. They burn really, really fast, some of them. But I will give you a tip that if you put your candles in the freezer, 
once you light them, they won't burn as fast. Because the wax is frozen, it would take longer for them to burn. So it would make them last a little bit longer at least. So that's something you can experiment with. And I praise the Lord that he has now taught us how to render fat. Because I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And I had been wondering how are we going to keep the fat? Because I knew we needed to keep the animal fat for our cooking oil. But I didn't know really what to do with it. And it's very easy, very simple. Just cook that fat down to boil the water out of that fat because all fat has a lot of water in it. So just boil or actually cook, simmer, and load the, the water out of it. And then the remaining fat juice will keep for a long time in a jar, make it last longer, have a longer shelf life. Then you can use that for making candles or salves or skin cream or shoe polisher and all kinds of stuff that you can do with that fat in addition to cooking. So it's a wonderful revelation uh, teaching of uh, survival skill that I was not aware of. And we learn more and more survival skills every year. Every year that the Lord continues to delay, it's always been a blessing that he has delayed. Amen, because we keep learning more and more very important skills, more plants, more food that we're learning, uh, how to identify on the land, so forth. Amen. Praise God. All right, I'll shut up now and let you go. Love you all very much. And the congregation said, Amen. Amen. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.